0: Welcome, welcome to Unfit States with Zach. Ritter. Thumb in that someone that bitch. Little Kendrick Lamar before we start. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I am in a deep state of ketosis, so you know it's gonna be a good one. You know it's gonna be a good one. Daddy is once again in a state of ketosis. I am in the original setup, the normal setup. I suppose it would be called the new stew, the juice stew, if you followed along. I am not on the couch, although the couch does, the couch does call to me. It's like a siren. It's like a siren in Greek mythology. A siren in Greek mythology was this mermaid-like creature who would, uh, uh, through sound. Coerce sailors, seduce sailors over to their location. And these sailors would be so enamored and seduced uh, uh, by these sirens, they'd go into this like trance like state and they would navigate their ship over to the siren's location. And before they knew it, they would have smashed their ship on a rock and they were sinking. And so uh, the couch is my siren, which oddly enough, I'm not, I don't like the couch if I'm not doing the podcast. I don't like the couch very much if I'm not doing the podcast. It's not a very comfortable couch. I have problems with the dimensions of the couch. So I would have a problem with what is it? So there's length times width times height. It would be the it would be the length of the of the couch. The length of the couch cushions. It's too short. So it's not too too short side to side. It's too short front to back. I have a problem with its If it, uh, uh, with its length from front to back, I don't think it's, uh, long enough that way. Um, but for some reason, when I do the podcasts, it's just, it, I like it. I like shifting. I like crossing my legs like a fucking, like an effeminate Italian man. I wasn't going to say gay. I'm doing too many gay jokes. Time to get on the, you know what? It's time to make some European man jokes. No more gay jokes. You can replace every gay joke with effeminate French man, effeminate uh Englishman, or a, effeminate uh, Italian man. Any European country, really. Any Euro- European country that joined NATO, really. But it calls to me. And uh, we're doing it in the normal setup. Patreon's up, folks. The Patreon is up. It's fucking ready for you to go. Use it. Abuse it. Make it your own. Make it your slave. Go to my Patreon and make it your slave. Make it do things that it doesn't even necessarily want to do. It's yours. It's all yours. And guess what? Nobody's around so they can't hear the screams. You make it your own. Alright? 120 episodes. In the vault, ready for you to listen to right fucking now. And based on the numbers that I see weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, I don't always look at them. I'm not the most responsible in that manner. But it's see I would venture to say that a large portion of you haven't seen at least the first 70. Right? So that's 70, that's over 70 hours. That's like a hundred hours of raw, filthy, sexual, intellectual, humorful, his humorful award word, comedic entertainment for you. Go give it a try. If you don't like it after one month, you can stop. There's no contract. I'm not roping you into anything. I'm not roping you into the EU here. We're just doing a little, doing a little monthly thing. So go subscribe to that. I think you're going to like it. It is launched uh, on www.patreon.com slash unfitstatesman. That's where you can find it, and you can find me. That's where you will find me. What a week, folks. What a fucking week. I mean, for me, it started, my week started... Immediately after I recorded last week's or I should say after I recorded the addendum to last week's episode, I went to ShopRite and I was checking out and this uh, woman it was all done. All of my stuff was in my cart and the guy behind me, his food was all the way up toward the register now. And uh, I was pulling out my card to pay and the cashier, she goes, you know, I used to love those as a kid. And I I couldn't really see what she was... You know, she just kind of pointed to the general direction of of this guy's food. And I went, oh, what? And she goes... and, And she points. She touches the item and goes, I used to love to eat these as a kid. They taste like vanilla. What she was pointing to was a box of milk bones. A box of milk bones. Dog treats. This woman had confessed to me that when she was a child she enjoyed eating milk bones because they tasted like vanilla her place of empl- is, she's she's telling me this at her place of employment well it's fucking busy so she said i like the i used to like to eat these as a kid they taste like vanilla i went oh that's interesting and then i said to her hey did you hear that russia may wage a nuclear war and she went what? And I went, yeah, just today, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine and has has made some threats about nuclear war. And then I lifted up my card and I said, I have a Shoprite card. Can I can I punch in the number for the savings? And then she let me do it. And I punched in the number of the savings, to put my card in, got my discount, and I left. She seemed pretty shocked. She didn't seem to know that Russia was had invaded Ukraine, although to be fair, she was working while it happened. She was shocked. She seemed taken aback at the fact that I responded to her milk bone comment with uh, the possibility of nuclear warfare. She did seem a little taken aback. But to be fair, I was taken a bit back, bit aback by the fact that she was telling me she ate milk bones as a child when she was checking me out at a ShopRite. right. Okay. Bought a lot of greens, trying to, again, keto, back to keto. I was just trying to go and buy a keto-friendly list of shopping items, and she had to convey to me the information that as a child, she was either mentally ill or malnourished enough to feel the need to go eat fucking milk bones. And to be fair, I think I, I've, I'm almost certain that I've eaten dog food, right? I'm almost certain that I've eaten dog food as a child, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't something I made a habit of. I don't even remember really ever doing it, but I can't imagine I didn't. I'm pretty sure every kid gets in the dog food, right? Yeah. Hey, listen, you either eat the dog food or you eat the dog. You either eat the dog food or you torture the dog and kill it, and, th- and then your parents get worried, and you go, "Why did he kill our little Lhasa Apso puppy? What's going on with Jeremy? Why is he acting up?" What should we, should we take him somewhere? Does he need to see somebody? And then this, the the, the emotionally distant father goes, no, he's just, boys will be boys. He said, boys will be boys. Get him in a team sport. That'll help him. But yeah, that was the kickoff to my week. And then later in the week, my father informed me that, um... Actually, this was last night. My father told me, he's like, your grandpa got a smartphone. He, he knows how to text now. And I went, okay. And he goes, text him. See if he texts back. And I said, okay. And at the time, I was cooking dinner. Steak, uh, sautéed broccoli, and uh, cheesy Fiesta potatoes. And my cheesy Fiesta pit- uh, potatoes are way better than Taco Bell's. Let me tell you about it. Let me sit down shut the fuck up. Those little, uh, the mini Boomer Gold potatoes, you cut them into thirds put them in a pan, olive oil, salt, pepper, Lowry's all seasoning salt, uh, uh, and garlic powder. You chop up a red pepper, half an onion, mince some garlic, and then jalapeno. You mix that all up. You throw it into the oven at 400 degrees for 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, you take it out, you remove the tinfoil covering, and you put it back in on broil, so you get that crisp up top, and then once that's done, you do that for about 10 or 15 minutes, get that crisp, take it out, put it on your stove, put four cheese Mexican uh, on top, and then put the tin foil back on, you don't even have to put the pot- uh, the potatoes back in the oven, the tinfoil will bounce the heat back onto the cheese, okay, it's got enough natural heat, and it'll melt the, uh, melt the cheese, it's fucking amazing, and you can have that recipe for free. Anyway, I took a picture of what I cooked for dinner, sent it to my grandfather, and I will read you the verbatim text conversation that I had with my grandfather last night. I said, I cooked this for Amanda and I, and then he goes, I could eat it, Biden's going to talk, pay attention. So clearly he's not privy or savvy to how you're supposed to speak to somebody in a text message, which is fine, I figured this would be kind of fun, and I said, I've got it on. Let's see if he'll make any sense. He said, okay. I didn't respond. Then an hour later, he texts me back, Nancy wet herself," And that was the end of that conversation. And, you know, probably any communication I will ever have with my grandfather, Hugh 24th. Because I don't think I can... I, I thought it would be more convenient texting with him to communicate. I don't think so. I don't think I want to indulge in that. I'll give him a call, you know, bi-weekly. Biweekly. I might have to bump it back to two. You know, once every two months after that disgusting display of of autistic communication ability. But what I was referring to when I said "what a week" was, of course, the little problem in Eastern Europe at the moment between Russia and Ukraine, which is actually more of a conflict between Russia and us. But it's just that Ukraine happened to be. The chessboard in which this geopolitical chess match was being played on. What do you think about that? What do you think about that string of words, huh, folks? My friend Sean, and if you don't know who Sean is at this point, again, I'm going to give you another page. Go to the Patreon. I explain who Sean is. He's like that. He's like a half-ass producer. He was telling me, see, because I was explaining to him my opinion on this whole Russia invading Ukraine thing, and 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 what I thought you know the u s roles uh leading up to it were, and how we should be taking responsibility for this at least um, in large part and uh he went to a dinner with his wife and his wife's father, and he tried to convey some of that opinion in the conversation with them and he t- he took an L he took an L okay they uh they they ate him up they wouldn't I don't think they uh entertain any of his claims that there was a coup in 2014 and and you know about the the Nazi presence in western Ukraine they they kind of dismissed his theories which in turn were my quote-unquote theories as conspiracies um and you ju- he just wasn't equipped to back those statements up. And you know what, Sean? That's okay. Anybody who, you know, starts, uh, you know, yapping a little bit at the dinner table. Sometimes you say some stuff that you know is true. You just don't have the sources available to cite to make sure everybody at that table knows that you did not come here to have a good time. You wanted to start a fucking argument with your wife and her family. Okay? And I get that. I understand that. Okay? But... A lot of people, I've talked to a few people about this. And when I even mention the US's involvement in Ukraine leading up to this, they immediately go, Are oh, you, wait, pro Putin? You pro right? You pro Putin, motherfucking, you're a communist. you Russian, fucking, you're a piece of shit. You piece of shit. You piece of garbage. You piece of communist garbage. You piece of Putin. You piece of Putin, piece of shit they immediately just go into complete and utter american establishment shill mode and i have to try to walk back their emotion and go well listen just just take a breath just take a breath because what i'm saying has validity like you would not believe there's there's insurmountable evidence of of what i'm saying for what i'm saying okay and y- you know, again, th- this this attack of oh, you're pro Putin. It's very, it's very uh, leftist, woke, progressive. Um, it's, it's that strategy of if you disagree with me, then you are immoral. And in this case, they are using the term pro Putin, pro Russia as the immoral, as opposed to being homophobic or racist or sexist or transphobic or whatever. You know, there's there's myriad phrases that they use to convey immorality upon their interlocutor or their uh their their competition but this is yeah this is that strategy and it's just let me explain let me make it very clear okay and i'm sure most of you know this but i'll articulate it anyway um when i and anyone else either is talking about or condemning the us's involvement in Eastern Europe, not just Ukraine, in Georgia, in Lithuania, in all of these, these countries, we're not saying it to be pro-Putin. We're not saying it to be pro-the invasion of Ukraine. We're saying it because it's we are anti-war. We are saying it because we are anti-war. And the things that we are mentioning, like I said, the 2014 coup, the 2004 coup, the the expansion of NATO, the funding of these neo-Nazi paramilitary units, most definitely led to this invasion. And the entire point of what we're trying to get across is, let's not indulge in the behavior that led up to innocent Ukrainian civilians being murdered anymore. Let's try to expose this. Let's try to bring this to the forefront of people's minds so they know what to look for in the future to stop that pattern of behavior. Okay? Because we do know that it leads to war. It doesn't mean that I don't condemn Russia. Okay? I condemn Russia. I don't think using vacuum bombs on civilian sites is anti-war behavior. believe me. I, I understand that. but I thought that that I thought that that could go without say, I thought that was just something everybody knew. But apparently it's not. okay? So let's get into it. Shall we? Let's get into it. And by the way, also, another reason why we have to talk about it is because everything that is is, is told to the American people is told through a westernized media framework, okay? If I was in Russia right now and all I was hearing was Russian uh, propaganda about how, how you know, the the Ukraine posed a valid nuclear threat to the, or something like that. Or say they, they, they had lied and said Ukraine invaded through, you know, invaded the border. Whatever, whatever lies that they would make up, I would, well, actually I wouldn't because it's much more strict over there and I would not be willing to risk getting my dick chopped off in a Russian prison for doing a fucking podcast. Okay, I'll tell you that much. But what I'm saying is, if I was over there, I would be attempting to get, metaphorically, I would be attempting to try to give uh, uh, an anti-mainstream media narrative side, from their perspective, just like I am here. Because again, this is all... I mean, there's a t- there's so much fucking fake shit circulating the internet and the mainstream media. I mean, these fucking pictures. These fucking pi- the, the The videos. I, it, Twitter is bad right now. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are bad right now. But the mainstream media is no better. There's this woman. There's a picture of this woman. She's bloody. She's an old woman. She's bandaged up. And she's become the face of the war between Ukraine and Russia... And, you know, it's being circulated online, it's being circulated in the mainstream media, even. Um, and it turns out that that's not even from the fucking war. She was, she was involved in a gas plant explosion. In like 2016 or 2018 or something like that. It had had nothing to do with the war, okay? You have the video of the tank running over the car. Everybody said, oh, they're just, they're just murdering civilians and they don't care. Well, yeah, it was a Ukrainian tank. What, ...in what I believe was a Russian separatist territory. Uh, uh, you had Fox News. This was insane. You had Fox News using a picture of two soldiers with cardboard guns. With cardboard guns. You can Google this and clearly see... They're not even 3D. There's no separation between the barrel of the rifle and the magazine it's fucking hilarious and it's 2d it it you can tell that it is a two dimensional p is a two dimensional object it's ridiculous it's overtly not a machine gun okay and then there was a few video there was a video of a a purported ukrainian girl like standing up to a russian soldier, soldier saying get out of here you're 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 doing damage we don't want you here And then it turns out that that was a Palestinian girl yelling at an Israeli soldier. And then there was, uh, I think it was Swalwell was using uh, confirmed war footage from Syria and Libya and Palestine and and Lebanon to to describe or to, to, I don't know, show whatever whatever he was doing in Congress. There was the ghost of Kiev story, who's like this guy who's got just a massive, massive, veiny Ukrainian cock who's just who's, who's murdered 40 Russian soldiers with his bare dick, I mean, it's insane, the Snake Island story, another one, where they said, oh, these, these people who were, these guys who were defending Snake Island in Ukraine were surrounded by Russian, uh, naval ships, Russia said, this is a Russian naval ship, you need to surrender, and then those guys said, go fuck yourself, and they were all murdered in a blaze of, of of Soviet glory. Turns out, no, they weren't murdered. They were just taken as prisoners, and they're fine. I mean, it's it's just hard, and that because the uh, the point of that I was I was saying was it's it's hard to know what's true right now. It's hard to know what is coming out of the media right now at this exact point is it, what is true and what isn't because it's it's hard to tell in the moment. Um, but what I can tell you is a uh, historical uh, perspective and and the events leading up to what to what happened. And like I said, and to be quite honest, I, every time I see a video of Ukraine, whether it's showing f- footage from the war or not, it looks war-torn to me. It looks like U- like Ukraine has architecture that kind of already looks like it's been shelled by the Russian military. Like there'll just be a journalist talking and then in the background just a regular apartment building and I'm like, "Oh my god, look what they did." And then he moves a little bit and I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's no there's no damage to that. It's a normal Ukrainian building. All Ukrainian architecture looks like it's in war. It's been hit by fucking thermobaric bombs. It's fucking insane. You could show me... Again, you could show me a picture of a very happy scene of children playing on a playground in Ukraine, and I would think it was somehow related to the war. Just everything... Ukraine just yells war to me. Like, the entire... The, the aura. The vibes of Ukraine. Especially rural Ukraine. Just give me war vibes, dude. It's just... A dreary, dreary place. Um... But like I said, let's jump into it now that I've given my disclaimer to say that I'm not pro Putin. Okay, I'm not pro Putin. I'm not pro riding horseback shirtless. Okay. Although I will say that that picture is so cringy, it's so ridiculously cringy that it like circled all the way back to being cool. It like 360ed back into being cool. If you become so cringe, you go all the way. You circle back to Being genuinely cool. All right, let's address NATO expansion. Biden said that the expansion of NATO was a paper thin argument, a paper thin uh, excuse that Vladimir Putin was using to invade uh, to invade Ukraine. Now, historically, that does not hold up. That statement does not hold up. I want you to take a listen to uh, Douglas McGregor, General Douglas McGregor, um, decorated war general, on the matters of the expansion of NATO and whether or not it's a paper-thin excuse Putin used to invade Ukraine for other more malicious reasons.
1: Here is Colonel Doug McGregor, a former senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense. Thank you for joining us. Why do you think Putin is doing this? What is his
0: end game?
1: Well, Vladimir Putin is carrying through on something that he's been warning us about at least for the last 15 years, which is that he will not tolerate U.S. forces or their missiles on his borders, much as we would not tolerate Russian troops and missiles in Cuba. And we ignored him, and he finally acted. He was not going to allow Ukraine under any circumstances to join NATO. What's happened now is that the battle in eastern Ukraine is really almost over. All the Ukrainian troops there have been largely surrounded and cut off. You have a concentration down in the southeast of 30 to 40,000 of them. And if they don't surrender within the next 24 hours, I suspect that the Russians will ultimately annihilate them. That's why Zelensky is meeting with... Uh, PUTIN'S REPRESENTATIVES RIGHT NOW, THE GAME IS OVER. AND uh, HE'S GOING TO HAVE TO NEGOTIATE THE BEST DEAL HE CAN GET. AND WE'VE ALREADY TOLD HIM, THE PRESIDENT OF THE UNITED STATES HAS, THAT IF HE OPTS FOR NEUTRALITY FOR UKRAINE, WE'LL BACK HIM. AND I THINK THAT VLADIMIR PUTIN WILL DO THAT FOR WESTERN UKRAINE. THAT IS THE UKRAINE BEYOND THE the Dnieper RIVER. BUT BEHIND IT IN THE EAST, WHERE HE IS NOW, I'M NOT SURE WHAT HE HAS PLANNED THERE, WHETHER HE FORMS ANOTHER REPUBLIC, ANNEXES IT INTO RUSSIA, because historically it has been Russian, but the territory west of Ukraine is not. He knows that, and he's happy to live with that as a neutral state. I am not a military expert. I'm not even an expert on geography, but if he takes Ukraine and Ukraine abuts Poland, then he's going to have a NATO country abutting him. So if that's what he doesn't want, then isn't he gonna just have to keep going until he runs out of NATO countries? I I guess I should say it again. Uh, He has no interest in crossing the West, the Dnieper and heading west to the Polish border. Uh, I think you're going to find from these negotiations, he's quite willing to neutralize that territory on the Austrian or the Finnish model. Right now, Russia already touches Estonia and part of Latvia. White Russia, of course, touches uh, Lithuania. Uh, He's not interested in going to war with us, and he has an army that's too small for that purpose. And he knows that his economy is smaller than that of uh, South Korea's. So this is not something that he's looking for. We are imputing to him things that he does not want to do in our usual effort to demonize him and his country. We need to remember that Ukraine is fourth from the bottom of 158 countries in the world as, as corrupt. Russia is perhaps three or four places above them. This is not the liberal democracy, the shining example that everyone says it is. Far from it. Mr. Zelensky is jailed journalists and his political opposition. I think we need to stay out of it. The American people think we should stay out of it. The Europeans think we should stay out of it. And we should stop shipping weapons and encouraging Ukrainians to die in what is a hopeless endeavor. So when you say stay out of it, you mean no sanctions, no military aid, just let Russia take... THE PORTION OF UKRAINE THEY WANT TO TAKE? YES, ABSOLUTELY. I I SEE NO REASON WHY WE SHOULD FIGHT WITH THE RUSSIANS OVER SOMETHING THAT THEY HAVE BEEN TALKING ABOUT FOR YEARS. WE SIMPLY CHOSE TO IGNORE IT. AND MORE IMPORTANT, THE POPULATION THERE IS INDISTINGUISHABLE FROM THEIR OWN. YOU KNOW, the, THE THING THAT'S SO DISTURBING IS THAT ON THE ONE HAND, WE WILL NOT SEND OUR FORCES TO FIGHT. BUT WE ARE URGING UKRAINIANS TO DIE POINTLESSLY IN A FIGHT THEY CAN'T WIN. We're going to create a far worse humanitarian disaster than anything you've seen thus far if it doesn't stop.
0: So for 15 years, he's been saying that. He's been warning everybody involved in this that if NATO keeps expanding, there's going to be a problem. And like McGregor said, we didn't listen. But that is not as far back as, as the warnings of the expansion of NATO go. In 1997, uh, a, the U.S. diplomat and a Cold War historian, his name's George Kennan, he's, he's famous for this, he's, he's, he's revered as a top-level diplomat and a Cold War historian. He said, but well, he wrote, but something of the highest importance is at stake here. And perhaps it is not too late to advance a view that I believe is not only mine alone, but is shared by a number of others with extensive and in most instances, more recent experience in Russian matters. The view, bluntly stated, is that expanding NATO would be the most fateful error of American policy in the entire post-Cold War era. Such a decision may be expected to inflame the nationalistic, anti-Western, and militaristic tendencies in Russian opinion, to have an adverse effect on the development of Russian democracy, to restore the atmosphere of the Cold War to East-West relations, and to impel Russian foreign policy in directions decidedly not to our liking. And last but not least, it might make it much more difficult... If not impossible to secure the Russian Duma's ratification of the START II agreement and to achieve further reductions of nuclear weaponry. Okay, so again, NATO's expansion is not something that people are 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 in retrospect saying this was a bad idea. No, people knew that this was going to be a horrendous idea. William Perry was Bill Clinton's Secretary of Defense. And in 2016, he came out and admitted that it, you know, NATO's expansion was a horrendous, horrendous mistake. And for anybody who knows, Clinton was the one who who kind of targeted Ukraine in the first place and and started expanding NATO, even after H.W. Uh, Bush agreed with uh, Margaret Thatcher and a few others, to not expand NATO past Germany. So think about that for a second. H.W. Bush signs an agreement that we won't expand NATO past East Germany. The very next president says, go fuck your mother. Go fuck your mother. That's what he said. And we started expanding NATO. And his Secretary of Defense came out in 2016 and said, yeah, no, it's bad. It's bad. Political scientist John Mearsheimer who I posted a a video of him talking in 2015, basically laid out exactly what happened. He said, we are dangling NATO membership in, in front of Ukraine with no real intention to help them if Russia invades. Russia is going to get very upset. And so, by doing all of this, America is dragging Ukraine into a conflict with Russia they are dragging them and i don't i don't think anybody at this point would would say that nato expansion had nothing to do with it i think people are just avoiding how uh much that drove the conflict with russia and ukraine because again this was something that putin putin specifically said the expansion of nato he kept calling it out for 15 years we ignored it like uh, McGregor said and and that almost certainly led or had a had a, a strong influence in the activity we see today. Now let's move to a little bit more of the the, the more controversial of topics uh, including the 2014 coup and the neo-Nazi presence in Ukraine, which is what Sean tried to bring up. Uh, with uh, in the dinner with his wife and uh, his father-in-law. And Sean, hey, if you are feeling up to it, if you want to reignite a fight with your wife and her father, you can put, just, just play it from here, and I will explain everything to them so you can then prove your righteous urge to explain the 2014 coup and... And, and neo-Nazi presence in Ukraine while having a nice dinner at your in-law's house, okay? you think about that? Before I even get into the actual bullshit in 2014, let's start with the actual history of the Nazi presence in Ukraine, okay? In World War II, the Soviets... And the Nazis agreed that they would divide their sphere of influence um, by splitting Poland down the middle. East Poland belonged to Soviet Union. West Poland belonged to the Nazis. Right? The Nasties. Then, Nazi Germany said, you know, let's... I don't fucking care about the Soviet Union. And they launched the largest military operation in the history of the world, Operation Barbarossa, which was an attempt to invade eastern Poland, go into Ukraine and Russia, and capture Moscow, uh, Odessa, Kiev, and St. Petersburg, I believe. It was either St. Petersburg or or Stalingrad. I forget forget which one. Um, But four major cities in Ukraine and Russia. And when... The Nazis showed up in West Ukraine, which is Odessa and Kiev, although Odessa's south, but particularly in Kiev. The Western Ukrainians welcomed the Nazis, the Nazi army, and not just a small amount of them. Okay? A large portion of Western Ukraine welcomed the Nazis. So much so that tens of thousands of Western Ukrainians started militias to help carry out the fighting against the Russians and the slaughter of Jews and Polacks. Okay? These, uh, there were a few things. There was the OUN, which was the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, and then later came the UPA, the Ukrainian Insurgent Army, which is kind of a, it was like a break-off sect of the OUN. And uh, and like I said, their, their sole purpose was to, to help the Nazis. Okay. Then came along Stepan Bandera. Well, he did, he was already along. He was already along folks. Stepan Bandera, who was the leader of the Ukrainian insurgent army. He, uh, under him, I think, I think, believe that like a hundred thousand Jews had been slaughtered. I believe a hundred thousand more Polacks were, were slaughtered. And then eventually what ended up happening was Stepan Bandera actually turned on the Nazis because Stepan Bandera, his main objectives were an ethnically pure Ukraine and an independent Ukraine. Now, Ger- Nazi Germany said, "Hey, the ethno cleansing—I'm pretty. That's good. Hey, thumbs up for that." But then they, when they heard that he wanted to be independent, they went, "I don't like that. I don't like. I don't want to do that. I don't want you. I don't want to give you independence. I don't want to give you independence." So they threw him in jail, actually. Um, and then he ended up coming out and fighting. ...against the Nazis, but still fighting for an independent and ethno-cleansed Ukraine. Okay? Which is hilarious, because recently... ...the news made a huge deal about Russia bombing the Holocaust Museum... ...at Babi Yar in Ukraine... uh, ...where I believe 33,000 Jews were, were slaughtered. Yet, years before that... ...the Ukrainian government named streets and avenues... After Stepin' Bandera. Including a street that leads right up to Bobby Yar. So it is hilarious to to hear people go, Oh, the big C, the anti-Jews. It's like, yeah, but they already named an avenue that led right up to it after the person that fucking killed them. Okay? The fuck? Anyway, fast forward to present uh, present day. The Svoboda party. Okay, the Svoboda Party. What is the Svoboda Party? It is a—they call themselves an ultra-nationalist political group. Their founder is this guy named Ole Tyan, Tyanibok. Let me read you his bio. Ole Tyanibok is a Ukrainian politician and the leader of the Svoboda political party. In October 1991, Tyanibok became a member of the National Socialist Party of Ukraine in 1998. Tionibok was elected to the Ukrainian parliament. In parliament, he submitted a proposal to recognize the fighting role of the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists and Ukrainian Insurgent Army during World War II on behalf of Nazi Germany. In a speech aired on television in the summer of 2004, Bok made comments such as, You are the ones that the Moscow Jewish Mafia ruling Ukraine fears most. They, are, they were not afraid, and we should not be afraid. They took their automatic guns on their necks and went into the woods and fought against the Muscovites, Germans, Jews, and other scum who wanted to take away our Ukrainian state. In April 2005, tianhe Bo co-signed an open letter to President Viktor Yushchenko calling for a parliamentary investigation into the criminal activities. This is the quote. Criminal activities of organized Jewry in Ukraine. Not Jewelry. Jewry. The... the The process of of fucking around as a Jew, I suppose. Jewry—that's a word. I think I've said that before. I think I coined that term. Thank you very much, Ola, Ole. And they are not, you know, this party, this this Svoboda party. uh, Well, let me read you this. According to Der Spiegel, anti-Semitism is a part of the extremist extremist party's platform, which rejects certain minority and human rights. The paper writes that Svoboda's earlier Social National Party title was an intentional reference reference to Adolf Hitler's National Socialist Party, and that in 2013, a Svoboda youth leader distributed Nazi propaganda written by Joseph Goebbels. According to uh, Algemeiner Journal, Svoboda supporters include, among their heroes, leaders of pro-Nazi World War II organizations known for their atrocities against Jews and Poles, such as the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, the Ukrainian Insurgent Army and the 14th Waffen SS Galizia Division. And this Svoboda Party, which isn't the only Nazi party in Ukraine, but it's the only one that has any traction in the government. It's not like this is not the Charlottesville March, okay? They've had six of their members to, uh, serving in parliament. Their leader, this, this, uh, uh, Ole Yoke or whatever the fuck his name is, he was a member of parliament for 10 years. Okay? And it's not that, oh, this was just in 2014 or whatever, and they no longer have it. No, no, no. Listen to this. In the 2020 Ukrainian local elections, 863 people won seats in local councils on behalf of the party. The, the election gave the party 19 mayors. Okay? This was in 2020. So this is not a tiny tiny fringe minority. Okay? This is this is like I said, this is not the Charlottesville march. This is not the Charlottesville march. And these are the people who were who led the coup in 2014 backed by America. Okay? These are the people who also encouraged the fighting with the Russian separatists that led to that sort of pirouetted this this conflict into the invasion. Okay, listen to this. On 18th of March, 2014, Svoboda members posted an online video of party members of parliament beating acting national television company of Ukraine President Alexander, I'm not saying that last name, and trying to force him to sign a letter of resignation because he broadcast the Crimea accession to the Russian Federation ceremony in the Kremlin. In the video, Pantalemyanovs broadcast. Was called state treason by Svoboda MP Mironchenko. Mironchenko, deputy head of the parliamentary committee of freedom of speech and information, uh, Tanya Boke com- condemned the attack. Such actions were fine yesterday during the protests, but they are now now they are inappropriate. That's funny. That's hilarious. Um, which was also condemned by Amnesty International, blah, 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 On 20th of March, 2014, Svoboda withdrew as the observers of the Alliance of European National Movements over sympathy by several alliance members for the Russian military intervention. And in June, the party formed the Sitch Battalion to fight the war in Donbass, which actually reminds me, I wanted to read you this. The Sitch Battalion is, is another one of, like, the, the Azov Battalion uh, militias. There's many, there's many neo-Nazi militias. Uh, in Ukraine. At the same time as the National Endowment for Democracy has been training political leaders, other arms of the U.S. government have been training military units, almost certainly including the notorious neo-Nazi group, the Azov Battalion. A Yahoo News report noted that since 2015, the CIA has been training insurgent leaders while Congress rubber-stamped hundreds of millions of dollars worth of military aid to Ukraine. The congressional aid bill originally included text explicitly barring assistance to Azov, but under pressure from the Pentagon, the language was removed. Given all this, wrote Jacobin's Branko Marisetic, it would be more of a surprise that the neo-Nazis of Azov haven't been trained in the CIA's clandestine Macon insurgency program. So, the, you know, the original withholding of funds going to the Azov Battalion is because we knew co- Congress knew that this was a neo-nazi militia but then the Pentagon pressured them and they let it go and because and again I can't stress this enough this is not like all in the past this is not like one of those situations I mean if you take a look at like some of the Ukraine's new heroes anti-semites this is of it is in 2018. Ukraine's new heroes anti-Semites and murderers of Jews Stepan Bandera collaborated with the Nazis Se, Semin- Simon Petliura is linked to the massacre of as many as 100,000 Jews, and Ivan Rohak was the editor of an anti-Semitic newspaper, yet the three of them are commemorated in Ukraine's city squares and streets. This is morally unacceptable, a local Jewish leader says, accusing the government of rewriting history and denying the Holocaust. Avenues and streets... Oh yeah, I, I told you about the avenues and the streets. So again, this is like the shit that I'm talking about right now is is not, you know, I don't, I don't understand why, and I guess I do understand because the mainstream media doesn't cover it at all. I mean, even in the slightest. Let me read this to you. In their drive to stoke hostilities between the West and Russia, corporate media have overwhelmingly ignore, ignored the fact that the U.S. and NATO forces have been supporting openly neo-Nazi paramilitaries for many years. A Mint Press study of the op-ed pages of the New York Times, the Washington Post. And the Wall Street Journal found that only one of 91 articles published in January mentioned this connection at all, with far more asserting that Vladimir Putin himself is Hitler incarnate. Around 90% of opinion columns pushed a get-tough-on-Russia message with anti-war voices, few and far between. So again, this, this whole you know, oh, neo-Nazism in Ukraine, in Western Ukraine, is just a conspiracy uh, conspiracy theory being pushed by Putin. That's what I he- I've heard multiple times about the neo-Nazi presence. And I'm not saying everybody in Ukraine, or any, everybody who is in Ukraine who wants to join the EU, or westernize, is necessarily a, a neo-Nazi. I know that. That would be insane if all of them were. It would be a problem. The world would be cracking down on them. I understand that. But it's not... It, <laughs> It's, they have a political party. They have a political party. Okay? They are naming streets and erecting statues of men who are, again, not a fringe, not Alex no, 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 verified historical figures that backed the Nazi movement verified historical figures that hated Jews. So again, I'm not entirely sure what foundation the people have that are making the argument that Putin is pushing this as a conspiracy theory. What foundation do you have? Because again, it's not even, this is not even new. This didn't even just start with the US funding militias and 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 political coups in Ukraine. Again, this goes all the way back to Operation Barbarossa when Nazi Germany invaded the Soviet Union. The Nazi roots were there since night since the 1940s. That's just what it is. It doesn't mean that you can't condemn the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Don't but don't bury your head in the sand about the situation. This is a country that has a problem with Nazis. So let's stop avoiding it, okay? Let's stop avoiding it because once you avoid it, you'll realize that America knew this, which is, again, why they at first barred the the funding of that AZA battalion, but then after pressure from the Pentagon, they did because they knew they were Nazis. America knew about the Nazi presence. They knew, and they capitalized on it, okay? They capitalized on the, the... Uh, vitriol of the neo-Nazi militias and the neo-Nazi political parties to to basically you know, get rid of all Russian presence in the nation. They knew that. And that, guess what? Hey, that lines up with what we want to do. So we went, hey, hey Nazis! What do you think about teaming up? That's what we did. And there are Pieces of hard, indisputable evidence that show that we we staged a coup in 2014. Okay, hard evidence, and I'm going to show you a few of them. Even, but even before that, George Friedman, by the way, who is a he's a geopolitical forecaster. He worked for Stratfor and now he fo- he founded uh, Geopolitical Futures. He is one of the smartest um, uh, geopolitical forecasters that we have, particularly um, when it comes to Eastern European. He was born in Hungary, and everything that he seems to forecast in that region based on what we do is right, okay? And he even he came out and said that not only was there a coup staged by American intelligence and the Pentagon in 2014 in Ukraine, not only was it, it was one of the most obvious in modern history, which, again, when you have Pictures of John McCain and the U.S. ambassador and the, and the U.S. assistant uh, uh, secretary general or uh, secretary of state, excuse me, taking pictures with with this this guy Ola Tyanaboke, who's by the way, if you Google him and go to images, his most famous picture is of him at a political rally doing a Nazi salute. Yes, of course, we were openly staging a coup. We were openly staging who we were sending US diplomats to talk to neo-Nazis. We were openly supporting the people who were were driving the Euromaidan protests, the violent violent protests that started off peaceful but turned violent after these um you know these uh, Svoboda party members. My, I seriously can't. When I when you try to say enough Ukrainian and Russian words, you sa- You start to sound retarded to yourself. You begin to question whether or not you actually have the ability to speak. It was peaceful until members of the Svoboda party and these militias, like the Azov and the Sich, showed up and and incited violence and and people died and it, it led to uh, Yanushenko, who was the current president and was more pro-Russia, having to be airlifted out and flown to Russian territory to be safe, and uh, once he left, they subverted the constitutional process of impeachment and uh, just replaced him. And we, again, we have politicians who have pictures at those rallies who were supporting that movement, okay? Okay. And so, yes, George Friedman is right when he says it is the most... How could you not see? Not see, get it? How could you not see the coup happening? All right, but even if you can't... Even if, after all that, you don't see... Let me give you some pieces of hard evidence, okay? The first one is a leaked phone call from the uh, Assistant Secretary of State to the U.S. Ambassador to Russia, Jeffrey Pyatt, basically discussing uh, progress and strategy uh, involving the coup. Go ahead and take a listen.
1: Here's them discussing strategies to work with the three main opposition figures. I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. In terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Boak and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tani Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work.
0: And if you notice... When she was speaking about Yatsenyuk, who is the the person who was uh put in charge after they ousted Yanushchenko Yukashenko. What's his name? Yaka, y- whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. I'm not even gonna try on these names anymore. She mentioned by name Tianobo. Ole Tianobok. So she was again an open admission that they are strategizing. Uh, uh, to use a an open neo-Nazi to subvert and overthrow the democratically elected government. Okay? Now, you won't hear that on MSNBC, will you? You won't hear Mad hour or, or or Stelter talking about how this was an open coup. The Democrat, uh, the, the Western media seems to want to push the narrative that this evolution happened naturally, that this was you know, this push to become the part of the EU, although it, they did have support, I'm not going to lie, they had a large support, but they didn't have enough, okay? So, the the, the act, the, this sort of, the, the narrative that this happened naturally and evolved um, just culturally is false. We implemented this. The next thing that I'm going to show you that's hard evidence is thanks to a WikiLeaks... Uh, drop which it was a part of this is just a capture of uh, a part of the the 2008 NATO meeting in Bucharest when they were discussing discussing um subversion and and political overthrow in Ukraine and this part actually lays out exactly how much they were how much money they were allocating to the Ukraine and uh for what purpose? NATO pamphlets and postcards, 1.2 million. TV debates, 500,000. Monthly TV program, 350,000. Regional conferences, 300,000. NATO headquarters visits for journalists, uh, non-government organizations reps, and etc. 150,000 dollars. NATO centers at universities, 175,000. Polling, 100,000. You have laid out in front of you now a budget. That NATO, which was never... This was document was never supposed to be seen. A private, covert document laying out money be, that's going to be used for political subversion techniques. Okay? Not to mention the fact that we openly funded them even through Congress. And Congress knowingly funded a neo-Nazi militia. Because if... They wouldn't have known that it was a neo-Nazi militia, the Azov Battalion. Why would they have barred funding going to them in the first place? Okay, so even if you even if you hate Julian Assange and don't trust him, which I don't know why you wouldn't—he's the most accurate journalist ever, literally ever. There's there's never been a single WikiLeaks drop where they have had to backtrack what they said. Never, never, not once. Because they don't really write articles. They only drop uh, secret documents. Okay? And this was, again, all of this is so obvious, it's so blatant, that this type of shit started to leak out into popular culture. Like Obama said it in CNN to Fareed Zakaria, talking about, you know, undermining uh, any... You know, undermining Russia by taking Ukraine. But listen to this clip. This clip is uh, of foreign affairs editor Gideon Rose actually bragging about the coup in 2014 on Stephen Colbert's show. Is America taking sides in this in any way? If if these people, the the rebels are winning right now, right? Yes, just recently. Why isn't Obama spiking the ball in the end zone and calling Putin and saying, hey, you might've won the medal count, but we won the country count, biatch. (laughs) It's, It's actually a very good question. And the answer is that we don't want Russia to intervene and kick over the table like a game of risk and take Ukraine back. And so Would they we... do that? Could he send in troops? Yes, he could. So we are choosing... Now, does Ukraine have any troops of their own? Would they fight back? Yes, but we don't want this to escalate and we don't want Russia to crack down. So we want to basically distract Russia. Oh, look, you have the highest
1: medal count. Oh, you did really well. <laughs> uh, and you know, Focus on the
0: Olympics. There's a shiny object. We'll just on... take an entire country away from you. Basically... So if you see you know i think we can dispel of the claim that you know the 2014 coup in ukraine which was basically an offshoot of the color revolutions starting with clinton you know with the in georgia and uh you know even in in ukraine there was 2000 there was a 2004 the orange revolution um we can dispel that that is not merely a conspiracy it's actually kind of open. It's actually kind of well known in the people who follow this type of stuff. Same thing with the neo-Nazi presence. If you know even the slightest bit of history about Ukraine, then you know that from World War II on, Nazis and Nazism has had a history in Western Ukraine. Starting with Operation Barbarossa, and the supporting and welcoming of Nazis in, in Kiev and Western Ukraine. So, if you need me to say it, hey, I condemn Putin from uh, for invading Ukraine, big time. He's killing innocent civilians. He is murdering innocent civilians. But there is also, like, a 20-year history that led up to this. And so, you would think that anybody who's anti-war would want to take a look at that, And I know I'm repeating myself, but it bears repeating. Anybody who's interested in actually uh, perpetuating an anti-war ideology, you would think that they would want to go back and look at the behavior that led up to the war itself so it won't be repeated. Or at least people will become aware of it. I'm not saying, I'm not, you know, calling out the bullshit in Ukraine to to kick Ukraine while they're down. I'm calling it out because I am anti-war. Not pro Putin, anti war. Because I, this is one thing that people need to understand. If all the bullshit that I just mentioned—the coups, the fucking, the, the funding of the of the of the neo Nazi militias, uh, the expansion of NATO—if none of that would have never ever happened, this wouldn't be happening now. So people need to get that straight. There's a difference between pro Putin and anti war. I'm so sick and tired of saying. Ukrainian, Russian words and names. I am so sick of it. I am so fucking sick of it. I don't think I'm ever going to talk about this again just because it's so ridiculously hard to pronounce those fucks' names. Maybe I do welcome a nuclear holocaust just to get rid of those names, get rid of a culture that allows a Y to be the second letter of your first name. Are you out of your mind? Are you outside of your fucking skull naming your child a name that has a spelling that has the Y as the second letter and a V as the last one? Have a little respect. But I'm done talking about it. That's my take on the uh, Russia-Ukrainian conflict, which is actually a Russian and American conflict. OK, that's my take on it. You're probably sick of hearing it already. And I don't. I, yeah, I listen, I, I'm sick of hearing it. I'm sick of saying it clearly. Um, one thing I'd like to mention before I get to the list, just so you know, a lot of news has been coming out about COVID lately. And I haven't even had the time. I kind of fell into the trap of being distracted uh, by this war. So I haven't really followed that closely. But there are some things that have come out about COVID that they are kind of quietly sweeping under the rug and hope you know, they're hoping that you are too distracted to know to notice what's going on. Basically what's happening is there's been a quiet lifting of vaccine and mask mandates. Um, because Democrats know one, at this point, that they didn't really work. Uh two, it's midterm's coming up. So they gotta they gotta try attempt to Salvage what's left of their reputation in the public. I don't know if it'll work, but we'll see. Um, even in New Zealand, the New Zealand High Court blocked uh, the vaccine mandate. Said that it was a gross violation of human rights. Um, you know, where's Fauci? Where's Rochelle Walensky? Where's Fa- what's Fauci's opinion on the war in Russia? What does he think? What's what does he think about? The encroachment of NATO on Russia, the 2014 coup, the backing of neo-Nazi militias, and Russia's eventual invasion—first uh, uh, sending troops to the Donbass region, and then eventual va- invasion uh, to Kiev, which he is encircled at this point. A lot of people, there's a, the the narrative seems to be that the Ukrainians are like winning, or they're doing really well at stopping the Russian military, which is true. I don't. I think that. Putin's shocked at how hard it was going to be, but, I, I mean, I forget what year it was, but he told the, the president of Spain that he could have Kiev in two weeks. Well, it's not even been a week yet, or it has been a week, and it's looking like if they wanted Kiev, they could take it, okay? But what does Fauci think about all this? I'd like to hear his opinion. He's the smartest man in the universe. Why can't we get him on this problem? We need to send... Dr. Fauci to Belarus to try to moderate this whole conflict. Fauci is the most amazing person to ever walk the earth. He's Jesus Christ. Fauci is Jesus Christ. Fauci is the incarnate Jesus Christ. You understand? Send him over there. Conflict mediation, just another one of his long list of skills. What does Fauci think about the war in, in Ukraine? I'd like to know, but he has disappeared from the media. And um, also this, let me read you this. This was kind of cute. I thought this was kind of cute. <sighs> New study finds COVID-19 DNA linked to Moderna patent filed in 2016. Sparks discussion... On lab leak theory, a team of international researchers, including from India, have found that the COVID-19 virus contains a tiny chunk of DNA that matched the sequence patented by Moderna three years before the onset of the pandemic. The findings published in Frontiers in Virology has raised new suspicion that the COVID-19 virus may have been tinkered with in a lab. Daily Mail reported the scientist team, including Akhil Varshney, I'm not going to do the names, but records show that Moderna had filed the patent in February 2016 as part of its cancer research division. The report said, I mean, I just, we need a leader who comes out and says, listen, folks, the the fucking coronavirus came from Wuhan lab. America funded it with a joint venture with China. Vaccines didn't really help. They helped with symptoms, but not really the transmission or help or, or getting us out of the pandemic. Masks didn't really seem to help and lockdowns didn't seem to help. And then we'll just move on. All we need is one leader to say that. That's all yeah just one just one I'll be the guy I'll be the guy I'm willing I'm willing to be a a, a puppet for for a government send me over to Ukraine I'll be the leader if America wants a, sh- a a puppet state in Ukraine I'll do it if Russia wants a puppet state in Ukraine I'll do it I'll do it I'll happily go along with the narrative either one either one I will make sure that the Ukraine is is the military is lined with neo Nazis. I I don't give a shit. I'll do whatever they want. If if a fucking if a, a not so popular comedic actor can be the president of Ukraine, I think I can do it. At least I'm genuinely funny sometimes. He's like they said he was a comedian. What? I can look at his face and tell you he's not funny. He looks like he texts girls his Subway sandwich order and asks them to get it on, his, on their way home from work. But I'd like to know Fauci's opinion on this. Because COVID has clearly disappeared from the news, so he's got he's to be bored. Fauci's got to be bored at this point. Let's get him back. Let's get him back on CNN and, and MSNBC. Let's, ha- let's have him talk about how the war in Ukraine is spreading COVID-19. Let's get him back. Let's get to the list. Let's get him back. Let's get to the list. It is Women's History Month. I have been informed. It is Women's History Month. It's also my birth month. It's also my mother's birth month. Um, It's also the month that I launched my Patreon. It's Women's History Month. So I decided I'm going to make a list of all the great things we are celebrating this month about women. All the great things about women that we are celebrating, okay? First thing that we are celebrating about women this month is how they can make your penis feel good. That's it. That's the list. That is the list. And I, you know, you might be asking yourself, well, that's short and disappointing. That's what she said. Uh, And I don't make that's what she said jokes very often, but that one just, it rolled off the tongue nicely. Um, Yes, and I also think that it was too short, so I decided I'll make another list. Because if you're only celebrating how women can make your penis feel good throughout Women's History Month, you're not going to do much celebrating, and you're going to have a lot of time on your hands so I came up with a list of other things you can celebrate in the month of March to occupy the rest of your time. Fair enough? Okay. Number one, the end of Black History Month. Number two, bartenders who linger a bit too long after they pour your drink, hoping for a conversation. We can celebrate those lonely gentlemen. Next one, the Plan B pill and all it's done to undermine the Lord's will. We can celebrate that in March. We can celebrate the Laotian man's inability to grow over 5 feet 4 inches. It's a phenomenon. Truly. I'm enamored with it. Okay? They're also a siren to me. They call me. I see a 5 foot 4 Laotian man screaming. Or I'd always do. He's not even screaming. It's just how they talk. You know? And I'd be like, you are just suave. And I go over there. I walk over there. And then he... Touches my face and then I get a weird rash. Uh, next thing we can celebrate in the month of March, Kim Jong-un's dramatic weight loss journey. I think we should acknowledge that whatever he did works. Keto? Right? Is Kimmy in ketosis? They call it Kimmy Keto? They call him Kimmy Keto? You talking Kimmy Keto? Come on now, Kimmy Keto. Next thing. We can be celebrating in the month of March with our free time. Frustrated, balding alcoholics who every day resist the urge to steal a military Humvee and plow through a packed playground in the minority neighborhood. Next one, McDonald's Monopoly, right? The celebration of destroying your one and only body in the pursuit of winning a game that after taxes doesn't even give you enough money you'll need to pay off the future medical bills caused by eating too much McDonald's? I mean, what's not to celebrate? And the last thing that we can celebrate in the month of March after we celebrate how women make our penises feel good, of course, we show them some respect, is in California, 23% of adults are not literate. That's true. That's a true fact. That's a true uh, statistic. Only 77% of California adults um, are literate. And that's according to a P.I.A.C.C. study, so we can celebrate that they don't know how to read. They, they they don't need they don't need to know how to read. They got movies. They got movies and weed. What do they know how? What do they need to know how to read for? I'm beginning to question anybody's need to know how to read. What do you need? To, what's what's to read in California? The fucking death count of gang murders and overdoses. Like what what the? There's nothing to read. But that's it, folks. That's it for the show. Subscribe to my Patreon, please. Go to the Patreon. uh, Patreon.com slash unfitstatesman. Um, Follow me on Twitter at unfitstatesman. Follow me on Instagram at unfitstatesman. Okay. I've got good guests coming up. Good guests coming up. Got a few on the docket. And, uh, I will put, I will always put the guests in the free version. to pay, Well, I shouldn't say always. I will almost always put the guests as the free option for the month. And I will put my solo episodes, my remaining solo episodes behind the paywall. Um, so yeah. So yeah. Thank you!